I'm not bringing you anything this morning that I have done before. However, I'm not bringing you anything that you haven't heard as well. Um, I got my inspiration this morning from Matt. Matt, last week, said something about uh, when he was to teach, what he was going to teach on, and he felt like he needed to maybe make a series out of it, or he's going to make a series. The next time he speaks, he's going to speak on the same subject and just continue on. Um, That was sort of my inspiration this morning, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to do a brief survey of the Bible. I know this sounds like an impossible task. Actually, I have two weeks. You've got to put up with me again next week. So we'll see how many of you really came to hear. Anyway, uh, I've got two weeks. So I decided to narrow it down a little bit. So I said, well, we'll do, a, we'll do an introduction of the uh, a survey of the Old Testament. And then I thought, well, you know, that's still an awful lot of material to try to cover in, in two weeks. So, well, all right, we'll cut it down, and we're going to do a survey, a brief survey of the law. Um, gentlemen are standing by with some Bibles. If you want to bring those down, I'll probably ramble on for 15 minutes before I see you. Thank you. <laughs> if you need a Bible, they have one here for you. And uh, we are going to be looking at the book of Genesis primarily this morning. And there are a couple of passages there that I want to sort of uh, focus on, although it's not a message. It's, it's a, I view this as a teaching period where we're, we're, we're going to probably get a lot of material and as, as a teacher, I'm probably going to give you more than you need to know, more than you want to know, more than you will remember anyway. But if we can gather two or three points out of this session together, then I feel that it will have been successful. But uh, we are going to start with the book of uh, Genesis because that's a good starting place. happens to be the first book in the Bible. If I were to say to you, just, just off, out of clear blue sky... When I say the law, what does that mean to you? What's that? Established rules. Okay. Good. Yes. Ten commandments. Okay. Okay. The law covers both those things and and much, much more. If I were to say to you, we're going to look at the Pentateuch this morning. What would that mean to you? First five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible. Well, the first five books of the Bible we call the law. It's also referred to as the Torah. If I say to you, or if I said to you, just cold, completely cold, walked up to you and said, what comes to your mind when I say to you, Torah? Somebody might say, World War II, Japanese invasion, Torah, Torah, Torah. Different, complete, T-O-R-A-H, Torah. Jewish law, Hebrew law, or just the law? Because you see, the Torah was given to the Hebrew people, who now the nation Israel, the Jewish people as we commonly, commonly refer to them today, But the law was given not just to them. The law was also given to us. And the law is indeed a set of rules to follow. It's a set of rules to follow. Ten commandments, they they are there. And they are rules that we should guide our lives by. Many, many, many other commandments contained in the law. Rather than point to 
the law as rules or as commandments, what I would like to do this week and next week is just take a brief overlook or a brief overview of the law in general or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books have been attributed to Moses as the writer, and I agree with that. I believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Now, Moses lived when? When was Moses alive on this earth? When? A long time ago. Yeah, he was. Josh. Okay, roughly 1500 B.C. Uh, we think that Moses probably uh, probably lived during the 1500 B.C.s, maybe got into the 1400 just a little bit. Lived for 120 years. 120 years. Moses was a Hebrew by birth. And you know the story of Moses. He was placed into the bulrushes. Pharaoh's daughter found him, retrieved him from there. Moses' mother, his real birth mother, was able then to raise Moses as her own child. As, as a, you know, they don't call them midwives. What would they call them? Uh, someone who took care. I guess she would be the, the nanny, maybe you would call it today, au pair. But uh, God miraculously preserved Moses. One of the reasons they hid him in the bulrushes, you remember, or I hope you remember, is that uh, Pharaoh had made a decree that the, the, Hebrew, the Hebrew nation, the Hebrew children were just multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, sort of like Community Baptist Church. Somebody told me we have 26 babies in the nursery, more on the way. We're sort of like the Hebrew nation and that we're just growing and growing. But that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But Pharaoh had made a decree that all the, all the boy babies were to be killed. And only the girl babies could remain alive. Moses' mother did not want to uh, put him to death, so she hid him in the bulrushes. And long story short, he became part of Pharaoh's court. Uh, God used that, I believe, in Moses' life to be able to raise him up as a leader because God knew in, in his mind that Moses was going to be the leader of this chosen people that he had. Um, so Moses is the, the writer. Ancient tradition holds that Moses wrote the Torah. And uh, we can't rely on ancient tradition alone. So we look for other reasons to find, did Moses actually write the Bible? And we see some internal evidence that Moses was the, the writer of the first five books of Scripture. We see in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, Moses, it says, When Moses went and told the people all the, words, the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. Now, if this is Moses' writing, why would he refer to himself as Moses? Good question. I don't know. Moses very, very rarely in the first five books of the Bible referred to himself in the first person. I believe it was just God's plan that it was to come out that way. I believe that God told Moses, here's what I want you to write, and Moses wrote it down never thinking that I'm a part of it. This is what God said, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, Moses said. Uh, we also find another passage in Deuteronomy, or actually a couple more in Deuteronomy, but we also find some passages in other portions of Scripture. There's a portion in, in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3. It said, David, King David, David's charge to Solomon just before his death. He said, Be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, 
as written in the law of Moses. Now, I believe in my mind and in my heart that when David said, as written in the law of Moses, he was talking about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The nation Israel, you say to them the law, and immediately they think Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Actually, they don't think that because it's one book to them. It's just one book, not five separate books. Uh, there's also a passage in Nehemiah that talks about the same thing. Over in the New Testament, there are some passages that point to the fact that Moses was the accepted author of the law, the Torah. Jesus himself, speaking in, in John chapter 7, uh, made reference to it, and he was questioning the Pharisees, and he said, Has not Moses given you the law? And certainly if Jesus knew that the law had come from Moses, we should be able to accept that as well. And I only present those facts to show you that Moses was indeed the author of the law. Now, let me throw a little confusion out. I was not going to do this, but let me just throw it in there. Um, there was a popular uh, theory. Mm, it was created back in the last, actually, the 18th century, but it was pretty popular when, when I was younger. That would have been about 90 years ago. <laughs> Uh, it's still mentioned today, although it's not as prevalent as it was. And that's what they, they call the J-E-D-P theory about who wrote the first five books of the Bible, J-E-D-P. And uh, this is something that was theorized a number of years ago. And there's no, there's no basis for it whatsoever. But where they came up with the J-E-D-P was the name Jehovah and the name Elohim for God. Jehovah and Elohim. Why would one person in one place call him Jehovah and another place call him Elohim? Well, it was to point out different aspects of God. Uh, God is, is one, but he is many-faceted. And uh, the, the, the Hebrew children have lots of names for God. Jehovah Nisai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah. There are just so many. Lord Sabaoth. Uh, and, and they're all talking about the same God. But uh, J.E., Jehovah Elohim. And then uh, the writer of De Deuteronomy, they believe that this people that hold this theory, J-E-D-B, that Deuteronomy, portions of it were written by someone other than Moses. They do give Moses credit for some of it, but a lot of it they say was written by someone else. And then the P was for the priests who wrote the book of uh, Leviticus, Levi, Leviticus, okay? Uh, so J-E-D-P. But uh, there never has been any real basis for this other than someone said, well, I don't know what someone said because I wasn't around 1800s. I wasn't there when it happened. But I, I can just imagine if someone said, boy, this sounds good. You know, let's, let's throw this out and talk about it and see what happens. I don't know how your mind works, but I can, I can identify with that. Because every once in a while I say to my wife, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start a rumor. Something that's just so ridiculous that nobody could ever come up with it on their own. And we know that that rumor has has spread. Uh, I, I have never done it, although there was something not too long ago, and not too long ago for me, it could be within the past five years, uh, not too long ago we, we said something, and not long after that we heard something that was very, very similar to it. But I know it wasn't my rumor because I didn't, I didn't pass it on to anybody. But uh, my mind works that way, and I can imagine how someone might say, Let's, let's, let's propose this theory and see just exactly what happens to it. There was probably a better reason for that. Now, let me just say to you that uh, if anyone ever questions you about the JEDP 
theory about the first five books of the Bible, the writer, just simply ask them, how can you prove that? There is no proof for it. How can we prove that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible? Well, look with me in the book of Deuteronomy. Look with me in 1 Kings. Look with me in, uh, in Romans. Paul ascribes the writing of, of the Pentateuch to Moses. Look with me in John where Jesus said Moses wrote the law. We have, we have proof. Um, however, when I say we have proof, it really all depends on your perspective of the, of the Bible. Okay? When we open our, our Bible to the very first verse of Genesis, and if you would open with me there to the first, first chapter of Genesis, I'll tell you another way my mind works, so you might be able to understand me just a little bit better. Pastor has done this, and not, not that it's downgrading to the pastor because it isn't, it's just a normal thing. Many, many, many preachers or speakers will say to you, turn in your Bible, and when they say, turn in your Bible, I think, here, take it. I'm turning it in. Never mind. That's, that's the way my mind works. If you ask me to turn in my Bible, I may offer it to you. But what, is, what does Genesis 1-1 say? Somebody read it for me. Very first four words. Anybody? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Makes no excuses for where where was, you know, God didn't start. God didn't, God always was. God has always been. And he always will be. In the beginning, God. For someone to take that and look at it and say, you know, well, wait a minute. I have to know where God came from or I have to know something more about God. We have to accept it by faith. Matt talked about this that this morning. Faith. We, we, we have to have faith that this is God's Word. And if we accept that, then we need to go through chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse, and see just what it is that God has said for us. This is God's Word. In the beginning, God. Before Him, there was nothing except Him. So God has always been. God is, is there, and He always will be. We believe that the book of of the Pentateuch, the law, was probably written during the last 40 years of Moses' life. Remember that Moses lived 120 years. His first 40 years, he lived in, in Egypt as an honored, an honored member of society, even though he was a Hebrew. They didn't know that. Then there was a couple of instances in Moses' life where Moses fled, came back, but when he was 80 years old, or before he was 80 years old, God said to him, Moses, I've got a task for you. And Moses' response was sort of typical in, in that he said to God, in essence, who, me? You, you want me to do what? Um, remember when the Lord has a task for you and someone comes to you and says, I want you to do, your response shouldn't be, who, me? Are you sure you got the right person? Um, Someone and I, and I won't put the finger on that someone, but we were standing around there this morning during Cafe Community Time talking about that, talking about all the babies in the nursery, and the general consensus of our conversation was, I'm glad I don't have to work in there. <laughs> what if someone came to me and said, Ron, we need someone extra to work in the nursery today. Do you think you can handle that? I'd say, what? 
Who? Me? Don't you want my wife? Uh, but you know, when, when God has something for us to do, rather than avoid it, we ought to say, sure, I'll do that. I don't know whether I can or not, but I'll try it at any rate. Uh, never be afraid to do something, whatever it is. Just just do it. And if God wants you to do it, God will give you a way to complete that task as well. He always does. God's faithful. He always gives us a way to, to, to complete the task. As we start to look at the book of Genesis a little more in detail, and I'm not going to get into a lot of detail because I only have two weeks, but I uh, just want you to bear in mind that the actual material that's covered in the, in the book of Genesis is approximately the first 2,400 years of history of the world and of mankind. In the beginning, God. That's all there was. God then created the, the earth. God then started creating other things. He, he completed his creation after six days, and on the seventh day, it tells us he rested. One of the things that God created there on the sixth day was man. Now, there's also been a lot of discussion about how long are these days. Well, I believe they're literal 24-hour days. And the reason I believe that, and one of the reasons I believe that, if you look with me in, in verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and he called it, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. So we have a period of light, we have a period of darkness, and what do we call that? Hello? What do we call that? Day. What did God call it? Day. And I believe it's the same day that we have, 24 hours. Another another extenuating factor here is the word that is translated day as a Hebrew word, yom. And when the word yom is used with a number, like the first yom, it means a 24-hour period. So I think we're looking at 24-hour periods here. First day, second day, third day. God created man on the sixth day. Created man perfect, without sin. Can you imagine? What was man's response? He sinned. You know the story of Adam and Eve. I'm not going to rehearse that for you, but you know that God put them in the garden, told them this is just one tree here that you can't eat of, and they did. They immediately knew that they had sinned, something was wrong. They were separated from God. They tried to hide from God. God, knowing everything, when he said in the garden, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. He knew he was hiding. He knew what Adam had done. Uh, the things that we do as people to try to justify things that we have done are just astounding. It would be much easier if we didn't do it in the first place. Now, that sort of sounds like a riddle, but it really isn't. It's a, it's a good fact. The things that we do, we know what we've done. We know they're wrong. We shouldn't just do them in the first place. That would solve a lot of issues in the world, uh, solve a lot of my issues. But we're looking here at uh, the book of Genesis. Adam has been created. And now we're, we're going through the first six days of creation in the first chapter. And remember that we're covering in the, in the, the whole book of Genesis about 2,400 years. And uh, chapters 1 through 11 cover the first, oh, 2,000 years or so. And then uh, 
is it's sort of brief for 2,000 years in, in 11 chapters, but it basically just gives us what is needed for basic knowledge. It, it, there's a lot in there. It talks about Adam, and the most important thing that, that I want to point to in, in the first 11 books of Genesis is the fact that sin entered into the world. Sin entered into mankind. There were only two people on earth, and sin entered. And ever since then, we've been using this, well, not ever since then, but recently, a lot of people say, maybe they don't say it anymore. Maybe I'm getting too old for that. Uh, the devil made me do it. Well, you know, in reality, that's sort of true. The devil makes you do it. He made you sin. But uh, we use that as a, as a cop-out. You know, I don't have to. I do have a choice. But at any rate, uh, Genesis, the book of Genesis has been called a seed plot for all the Bible. And as I stated before, your view of Genesis will review your general attitude toward the rest of the Word of God. If you can accept in the beginning God, then you can accept the rest of it as God's Word and use it for a guideline for your life. Um, the purpose of the book, of, of, or the, the Torah, the books, the book, five books in one, the purpose is to show man the origin of all things that are pertinent to man. We have the origin of matter. God created the earth. We have the origin of life. We have the origin of sin. We have the origin of human relationships, both on a family and a government level. We have uh, worship. We have sacrifice. We have the nations that were instituted. I mean, everything just builds from there. God knew before he created the world, before he created anything, he knew what things were going to be like. God created Adam perfect. He knew he was going to sin, so he created a way for his sin to be forgiven, for his sin to be covered. Now, this morning, during the morning service, I read a portion of Scripture from the book of Romans, and I asked you there, after I read that, did you ever think of yourself as being predestined? Did you ever think of yourself as being justified? Did you ever think of yourself as being glorified? Well, that's what we are. That's what we are. And when did that happen? That happened way back here before Genesis 1, where it says, In the beginning, God. God knew who I was going to be, knew what I was going to be, knew what I was going to do, knew what I needed. Therefore, He sent Jesus, His own perfect Son, to die on the cross for my sins, that I might be justified, yea, that I might be glorified. God is, is so good. God is so good. God knew what was going to happen in the garden, so he made a way of escape for Adam. So we have the fall of mankind in, in chapter 3 where Adam sins. And then, of course, in chapter 4 where it talk, talks about Cain and Abel, and we knew that Cain slew Abel. And I had a cute little verse to bring you about that, but I forgot it. And it's one of those things, it's a play on words about being able that you can't remember. You have to read it. So forget that I said that. Chapter 5, to me, is a very interesting chapter in Genesis. And there's a couple of reasons. One of them is because, I don't know how many of you know it or not, but I'm very interested in genealogy. I'm trying to find out not who I am, but where I came from, where my family came from. You know, what, what did they go through and, and who are my family members? Uh, I'm able to trace my, uh, my paternal side, my father. I'm able to trace his family back about uh, seven generations, and then there's just a, a void. It's like all of a sudden Biggs was, and I know that's not true, 
I have a feeling that I can trace him back a little farther, but I can't justify it. I can't substantiate it. So I'm back there. On my on my mother's side, however, my my grandmother, my mother's mother, was uh, French Canadian, and I know that she was born in Nova Scotia, and I've gotten information from Nova Scotia that brings me back in her family about 14 or 15 generations, way back. I recently ran across, recently a year ago, ran across a website called uh, uh, OneGreatFamily.com. Any of you who do genealogies should look into OneGreatFamily.com. What they do is they take the information that you input about your family, and they then match it with information that other people has, has put in, and they pair you up with different people. And uh, lo and behold, one day I opened up my computer. I opened it to one great family, and it said, we have added 82,000 people to your genealogy line. I said, come on, you've got to be kidding me. 82,000? I don't believe that. So I started looking at some of them, and I found where there were some obvious mistakes. But it was sort of interesting to me because you can click on a, a what they call a star field, and you can see genealogies. You can choose eight generations or 16 generations or 96 generations. And I, I clicked on the one that said everything. And I'm scrolling through all these different things, and, of course, you get screened. It just goes and goes and goes until all the way back to the beginning. Guess where I came from, according to one great family? Where could it be? There's only one place it could be. God. I said, wait a minute, God's in my family line? And I thought about it. I said, yeah, he would be. He would be, but... You know, we never think of it that way. But here in Genesis chapter 5, if, if you would turn there with me, please. Genesis chapter 5. In, in the very first verse, this is the written account of Adam's line. We're talking genealogies here. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. When they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Now, we know that Seth was Adam and Eve's third child. They had Cain, they had Abel, but the Bible gives us this line through Seth. So here now, Adam is 130 years old, and he has a son named Seth. Uh, anybody here got a calculator? Anybody good with math? I want you to write down some numbers for me. Because I, I, I don't, at the end, I don't want you to say, well, you manipulated the numbers so that you could come up with that. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a fact here that I believe based on these numbers. If someone would, would add them up as we go through. Uh, so the first number we want to add is 130. Because Adam was 130 years old when uh, Seth was born. It says, after Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, then he died. The important part that I want to look at is when this child was born, this, this child in this line. Verse 6 says, when Seth had lived 105 years, that's our next number to add, 105 to 130. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enoch, or Enish. Verse 9 says, when Enoch had lived 90 years, and that's our next number, 90, when he had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. Chapter, or verse 12 says, when Kenan had lived 70 years, 70, it's our next number, he became the father of Mah Mahalalel. 
15, when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, next number, 65 years, he became the father of Jared. Verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, our next number, 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, 65. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, 187, he became the father of Lamech. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah. So 182 years to Noah. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem. The father of Shem. So how many years do we have here so far? How many? 1,500 what? 1,556. 1,556. Is that what you got? Is that what you got? 1,056. Did you add 500 for, uh, for uh, Noah? No. Okay. Add 500 for Noah. We come up with 1,556. Okay? Noah. To the time of Noah, when Noah had... Shem. Okay. And here's here's the point that I think is significant here. Over in uh, chapter 9 of Genesis, it tells us there that the flood occurred when Noah was 600 years old. 600 years old. So now let's add one more 100 to that number, and we have 1,656 years. Okay. 1,156 years. That's to the flood. If anybody ever asks you, when did the flood happen? Say to them, 1,656 B.C. You follow me? You don't follow. Where did I start in this genealogy? I started when God created Adam. That would be zero, so we had nothing. Adam was 130 years old when he had set. So we started there and went down through this genealogy that we have until we got to Noah. We know that the flood happened in the 600th year of Noah's life. So when did the flood occur? 1,656 years. No? Why not, David? Okay, okay. If we would follow this through in the Scriptures using Genesis chapter 11, there's more genealogical evidence there which goes from Noah down to Abraham. And then we branch off into the book of Kings and Chronicles and different areas and get into the, the judges and the kings and, and we follow it all the way down. These numbers jive with when Christ was born. They, they, they work themselves out. And I only use that to illustrate to you that I believe the world the world, was created in 3950 B.C. Therefore, I think the world is only about 6,000 years old. To me, that's, that's semi-important. I don't have to know when the world was created. I just know that it was. And that's the important thing. But when I go to museums and they, they, the docent in a museum says... 
Well, this was from 200 million years ago than when they were alive on this earth. I say to myself, and I'm afraid sometimes I don't keep it to myself, but I say, no, <laughs> couldn't be, couldn't be. The world's only about 6,000 years old, in, in my opinion. Now, this is a good point to throw in this thought. Whenever someone is teaching you something, whether it be from the Bible, whether it be from here or there or whatever it might be, don't take their word for it just because they're the teacher. Find out for yourself. Find out for yourself. Go to the Bible and trace the genealogies as best you can. They're, they're, they're all there. Within the books of the Old Testament, uh, you can find from the birth of Christ and work yourself backwards to... Uh, okay, uh, let me go back just a minute. Or let me finish that thought and then go back. Remind me if I forget. I do that. Work yourself backwards from the birth of Christ to creation, and you can establish how old the earth is. Now, let me go back to David's descent here. I agree with you, David. It would not be 1,656 B.C. It was 1,656 years after the world was created that the flood happened. Thank you. I stand corrected. Uh, my mind was working on a different line of thought there than his was. But it would not be the year 1,656 B.C., but it would be 1,656 years after the world was created, God brought the flood. Why did God have the flood during Noah's day? What was the reason for the flood? Evil. Sin. Man got worse and worse and worse until God said, that's it, I'm just not going to put up with it anymore. I'm going to destroy the earth with water. He brought the flood, promised Noah that that would never happen again. We have that promise afterwards. But the results of sin are many and varied. We have sin in our lives. We all readily admit that. Should we be proud of it? No. No. And I'm sure we are not. But sin is there. It's, it's a fact of life. But just as much as sin is a fact of life is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us our sins. And we don't have to sin. I really believe firmly in my mind and in my heart that I don't have to sin. I sin because I choose to. And that's a slap in the face to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sin is, is a fact of life for the world, but we also have a, cho a choice. My choice was to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of my sins. Past, present, and future. Forgiven. But wouldn't it please the Lord if I just said to myself before I did something that was wrong, you know, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't bring glory to God. And what's our primary task on this earth? To glorify God in all we do. Okay? I really thought I'd get a little farther than this. I guess I, as the pastor says, I yap too much. But uh, we'll, next week we'll pick up here where we're leaving off, which is uh, basically chapter 11. If you get a chance, and if you're interested at all, and I don't want to encourage you to do it unless you're interested because it can be very boring to go through genealogies in the Scriptures. 
But if you're interested at all, go through some of these passages and try to dig out and see exactly how old is the earth? What year was it that the flood happened? What year was it that, that Moses was alive on earth? And we, and we can start putting these things together. Don't just take for granted because somebody said Moses lived a long time ago that Moses lived a long time ago. Try to find out when Moses actually was alive. Compare that to what we would call secular history, and you'll find that things that happened during Moses' lifetime that are recorded in the Scriptures are also recorded in a lot of history books about having happened. But for some reason, the historians don't want to combine the two. But at any rate, um, thanks. Next week, we will continue looking at Genesis. I may have to revise my title of this. Instead of saying looking at the law, I may have to say looking at Genesis, a brief survey of Genesis. But uh, if I don't get through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I'll make it a series. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, you're dismissed. Thank you, Father, for this day that you've given us. We thank you for your word. And we ask that, <coughs> excuse me, we ask that we might be diligent about studying your word, knowing, Lord, that you've given it to us as a rule book, as a guidebook, with, with principles there that we can adhere to to guide our lives. And we ask that it might be real to us. It might not just be the Bible, but that it might be truly God's word. Help us in our lives that we might give you the honor and the glory for all that you've done for us and through us and in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.